All right. My recording isn't working. Yeah, it says that the card is protected. I have no idea what that means. And so it won't let me record. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. I'm just going to talk into my phone, I guess. But all right. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll dive in and get into talking about angels. All right. Pray with me. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for all the girls who showed up today and just um, how much fun we get to have together and laugh together and learn about you. And I just pray that um, you would guide us today. Um, would you show us more about yourself and your glory? Would we leave today just in awe of who you are? Um, and Lord, help us live for you every single day. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, so before we dive in, I want us to just take a moment and to focus our minds on who God is and his glory. Um, so God is powerful and majestic and holy. We can't understand him. He, like, in the Bible compares himself to mountains because mountains are, like, the biggest things that we can picture, right? And so he's like, I'll just compare myself to a mountain so they can try to understand me. But even mountains don't really do him justice, right? And he's all wise. He's the creator. Um, he knows everything. He knows every millisecond of your life. Um, and he knows what's to come. He knows what has already happened. Um, so I'm going to read you guys two different passages, and I just really want you guys to just focus in on who God is. And write down in your, um, in your notes if you want to, you can write down like things that come to your mind about who God is, what these verses say about who God is. Um, and yeah, just take some time to quiet your mind and think about the God that we serve. All right, so the first passage I'll read for you guys is Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and he gives all of them their names. Great is our God, abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to God with the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds and prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts, of, beasts their food and to the young ravens their cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord. Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your children. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool and scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters fall. He declares his word to Jacob and his statues to rulers of Israel. He has not dealt with any other nation He does not, who do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. And then the next passage I'm going to read for you is Revelation 4, 6 through 11. And so... In this passage, um, John is having a vision of the Lord, and this is like, he's in heaven right now, so he's like taking in like God, basically. Um, and it says, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around them and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him, who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, who is seated on the th throne, and worship him, who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before him, saying, Worthy are you, Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. 
And then skipping down to um, chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Then I looked, and I heard the throne, and living creatures and elders, and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain, slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Wow, that was a lot. And I think that it's just really good to focus on who God is and his glory. Um, and the reason I have us thinking about that is because today we're talking about angels and angels were created to display the glory of God. And angels are amazing. Like while I was studying um, exactly what angels are, I was just mind blown at the fact that God like created such um, amazing things and that bring him glory every single day, every single moment of their life. They sing to the Lord, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Like that never ceases in heaven. That song is always playing. Um, And so in order to study angels, we have to also realize the glory of God. They're directly tied. And so angels are amazing, but they're not worthy of our praise. God is worthy of our praise. Um, So as we study the angels, I just encourage you to to tie what you learn about angels directly back to the glory of God. So whatever we learn about angels, immediately tie that back to God. Um, Never lose your focus of who God is, even though we're going to be studying these creatures um, that are really cool and something that we don't really think about much. Um, So yeah, I have this broken down into different questions that we're going to walk through. Um, And so the first question is, what are angels? Angels are spiritual beings without physical bodies. And in the Bible, they're referred to as angels. Sometimes they're referred to as messengers, holy ones, or ministering spirits. Um, And they were made at creation when God made the heavens and the earth. So we don't really know what day they were made. Um, It's somewhere between day one and day seven. But I'm guessing it's probably day one that they were made because that's when God created the heavens and the earth. He would probably make the angels like because he made the heavens. So that's probably when they were made. But that's not sure. God could create them anytime he wanted to. Um, do you guys think that God needs angels? No? No? Why would he create them then? I mean, kind of like what you said before, like to show his glory. Yeah, just to show his glory. Yeah. So God doesn't need angels, um, but they do serve him with their lives and bring glory to him. Um, and he doesn't need that glory. He can display his glory just by being who he is. Um, But by creating these angels, their natural response by just being in the presence of a perfect and holy God is praise and admiration. Um, And like I said before, there are multitudes of angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they sing that every single day, all day long. That is like their job, is they just sing that. And one day we're going to hear that. We're going to hear them actually singing it, and we'll join in with them. Um, And that's going to be amazing. Um, So when we look at angels we see that they were created to glorify God and to serve God. What were humans created to do? Same thing. Yeah, the same thing. We're created to glorify God and to serve God. Um, but are we the same as angels? No. Yeah, they, we are very different from angels. Um, they were, were created to do the same thing because all of God's creation is called to praise and glorify him. But what makes us different from angels? There are three ways that makes us different. So one, we are made in the image of God. Um, So in Genesis, God makes it very clear that we are made in his image. And so therefore that gives us dignity and honor and value that places us above anything else in creation. So um, you all bear the image of God, whether you know Jesus Christ as your savior or not. Every single human being is made in the image of God and that gives every single human being value. Um, and number two, we are redeemed by the blood of Christ, or we're able to be redeemed by the blood of Christ if we accept Jesus as our Savior. So Jesus died for sinners, 
um, you and me, he didn't die for angels. Um, angels don't know what it's like to be redeemed by the blood of Christ. Um, that is just a mystery for you and I to, um, to, uh, to have and to hold um, and to experience. Um, and then number three, one day we will reign with Christ. If you know Christ as your Savior, the Bible is very clear that we will reign with him one day after like Christ comes back, takes his people, defeats evil, we will reign with Christ. But the angels will not reign with Christ. They will be there, um, but because they have not been redeemed by the blood of Christ, they will not reign with him. So those are the three things that sets us apart from angels. Also, we have like physical bodies. They don't really have physical bodies. Um, and we also are, we, will, we, we're, we are born and we die. Angels aren't born and they don't die. So there's a few differences there. But those are the three main ones. Um, and some characteristics about angels. They have intellectual capacities and emotional capacities. So in Luke 15.10, we see that Jesus says that heaven rejoices. The angels rejoice when there's one sinner who repents. So therefore, angels have emotional capacities. They're able to rejoice over sinners repenting. And they find joy in people giving their life over to the Lord. So that means that the moment that you accepted Jesus as your Savior, all of heaven just saying praises to God. And all the angels in heaven like declared that God is amazing, that he's merciful and kind, and that he saved a sinner. So that's kind of cool to think about. Um, however, they have limited abilities. For example, they can't be at, in more, more than one place at once. So an angel can only be like right, an angel can only be right here, where God can be like right there and across the world, right? Because he's, he's everywhere, he's omnipresent. But angels are not omnipresent. They can only be one place at once. Um, they also have limited knowledge, and we know this because in Mark thirteen thirty two, um, God Jesus makes it very clear that nobody knows the time or the hour that He will return, except for the Father. Um, not even the angels know. Um, so that's in Mark thirteen thirty two. Um, we also see throughout the Bible that they are powerful. Um, they are also immortal, immortal, so they will never die, um, and that's in Luke twenty thirty four. Um, Am I going too fast for you guys? Okay. They are also versatile and, t- and can appear in physical ways, in dreams and visions, um, or in other forms. So can you guys think of any ways that an angel has appeared to somebody in the Bible? Any stories you guys can think of? Yeah. Yeah. He came, um, I think, in a vision in that one. Yeah. yeah. How did he ca- come to Joseph? Does anyone remember? Yeah. Yeah. So they can come in dreams or in visions um, or in any other forms. Um, like, God can do whatever he wants. He can make an angel appear in whatever way he wants to. Um, they are just representatives of God. So they, they kind of go wherever God tells them to do and say whatever God tells them to say. Um, and there are three types of angels. There are cherubim. And this is in Genesis 3, 24 is when we see the first cherubim. So did I, in your notes, did I type that out for you? Okay, good. Um, So their job is to protect and to proclaim the glory of God. So they are guarding the Garden of of Eden. So cherubim are guarding the Garden of Eden. They're just the protectors. And then there are seraphim. And they are the ones always worshiping God. So they're the ones in heaven that are saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Um, and then they're also living creatures, and these are representatives of God, God's creation. Um, 
And so we don't, we don't know specifics of like all they do. And I think God kind of like, he doesn't talk a whole lot about that in the Bible. We get like glimpses of what angels do, but we don't know like the details. And I think that's just because he doesn't really want us to know yet. Um, But we just have to trust that whatever they're doing is amazing. It's for the will of God. And so we can kind of be in awe of that, even though we don't know the specifics. Um, But what do all of these angels have in common? They all glorify God. So with every, every second of their life, they glorify God. How many angels are there? Um, the Bible never really says. In Hebrews 12, 22, it says that there are thousands upon thousands of angels. Um, it says that when we um, enter into worship, there are thousands upon thousands of angels who join us. So that's kind of crazy to think about, right? Like when we're sitting on, in our service on, on Sunday and we're singing to the Lord, there's like angels that are there and singing like the Bible tells us that they worship with us. So that kind of changes the way that we worship if we know that like there's like angels in our presence, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And there are multitudes of angels. The Bible doesn't give us an exact number, but we can just picture that there are, there are a lot, a lot of angels. Um, The only person that knows how many angels there are is God. And so he made however many angels that he thought was the perfect amount. And that's that. And one day we'll see them in person. Um, Another common question is, do we have guardian angels? So does each Christian have their own guardian angel? Does every single person have their own guardian angel? Um, Maybe. We're not sure. Um, In Psalm 91.11, it says that angels protect us. And then a lot of times in the New Testament, it says that angels minister to us. Um, So there is this, like, sense where angels are kind of watching over us or protecting us or... um, you know, ministering to us, reminding us of truth, um, especially in like spiritual warfare, which I kind of want to do another like uh, Saturday about of like, what is spiritual warfare? Um, they, they like fight for us. They fight in this war for us. So, um, I don't know if we have a guardian angel for each one of us, but I do know angels are watching over us. Um, so overall, what do angels do and what is their purpose? Number one, to glorify God and to obey his will. They carry out God's plans they accomplish his work, and one day they will announce Christ's return. Um, so they will, whenever God says, okay, it's time, I'm going to go like return back to earth and take my people, they will be the ones that announce that and start the, uh, the, dis- the, the what's it called? Rapture. Yeah, the rapture. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and where are they? They are everywhere, but they can't be more places than one, so there's multiple of them everywhere. They're with us when we worship. They watch over us and they protect us. Um, But what do we as Christians need to know? Um, Number one, we should never, ever, ever worship angels or pray to them. Why should we never worship angels or pray to them? Because they are God. Yes. Yeah, very simple answer. They're not God. They were created to bring glory to God. In fact, um, sometimes when angels come to people in visions in the Bible, people will, like, bow to the ground in awe, and the angel will literally say, like, get up. Like, I'm just, <laughs> like, he's like, you're, you're bowing to the wrong guy. You should be bowing to the Lord. Like, I am nothing compared to who God is. I'm just the messenger. Um and so they are real. They're in the spiritual realm that we'll, we're blind to, but the spiritual realm is very, very real. Um, and they're part of spiritual warfare, and they do the will of God and bring glory to him. Um, so, yeah, any questions on who angels are? Yeah. Yeah. What you said about, like, us having guardian angels? Yeah. Um, do we have guardian angels? Maybe. We're not sure. 
we don't know if like there's like one specific angel that's guarding us um but psalm 91 11 is a good reference to look at because it shows us that there are angels that are um ministering to us and watching over us and there's a few other um passages that show that angels minister to us i just don't have them written down but i can find those for you and send them to you um does that answer your question emily yeah okay any other questions or things you guys want me to repeat cool all right so the next question that we're confronted with is a very tough question but it is how did satan become satan so for those of you that maybe don't know satan the devil used to be an angel and God created him to be good. And he was supposed to serve the Lord. Um, he was actually one of the top angels, I'm pretty sure. Um, and in Genesis 1, we see that God made all heaven and earth good. So we know that in Genesis 1, everything was good. But by Genesis 3, um, the devil comes in the form of a serpent and talks to Eve. So somewhere between Genesis 1 and Genesis 3, there was a rebellion in heaven. And Satan, who used to be an angel of God, rebelled against God and became the devil fell from heaven and is now tempting Eve and trying to get her to sin. Um, so why do you guys think that Satan rebelled against God? Because he wanted to be God. Yeah, he wanted to be God. He wanted his own authority. He didn't want to serve God. He wanted to be served. Um, and he took other angels with him when he left. Um, and this is the essence of sin, isn't it? When we, when we sin, we're saying, God, you aren't actually God. I know what's best. I'm going to do what I want to do. I want to be on the throne of my own life. Um, and when we do that, we separate ourselves from God. Um, and this is why God cannot be in the presence of sin, because sin is totally against who he is. Um, it's completely against him. So there's no way he can be in the presence of it. Um, so Satan was created good. Um, and then fell. So where, sorry. So we have to look to see in the Bible where this happened because it's not just some like fun story. It's not like a like mythical, like what you were saying, Elisa, like the, the musical you're really into right now. It's just like a myth. It's just a story. Um, like Satan falling from heaven wasn't just a story. It was real. It's history. It, it actually happened. Um, and it's found in Ezekiel 28. So go ahead and flip there with me. Uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19. So in this chapter, the Lord is speaking to Ezekiel, who is a prophet, and he's prophesying to the people um, and, you know, doing what all prophets do, trying to tell them to turn back to the Lord. Um, and the Lord, and God is speaking to the king of Tyre in this. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and he's saying, he's explaining to the king that he is corrupt, but he's going beyond explaining to about the king, and he actually starts explaining who Satan is and what happened when Satan fell. Um, so who would like to read uh, verses 11 through 19? Anybody want to read that chunk, 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 chunk for us? <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Then this further message came to me from the Lord, the Son of Man, send this funeral song to the King of Tyre. Give him this message from the Son of Lord. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, pale green paradox, white moonstone, blue green barrel onyx, 
green jasper, blue lapis lazuli, turquoise, and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. You defiled your sanctuaries with your many sins and your dishonest trade. So I brought fire out from within you, and it consumed you. I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All who knew you are appalled at your fate. You have come to a terrible end, and you will exist no more. All right, so this is one of the accounts of Satan being thrown out from heaven. And another account that is given is Isaiah 14. So if you guys are curious, you can look up that later. It's basically almost the same example. Um, and God just telling the story of how Satan fell from heaven. Um, and so it tells us that evil was found in Satan. And that made him turn against from the Lord and choose his own path, rebel against him. Um, and we see that. He comes to a dreadful end and shall be no more. So he's already defeated, right? Jesus Christ at the cross, um, when he defeated death, when he rose again, he showed that sin has no power over God at all. And he he's the ultimate um, power. And therefore, Satan has already lost. But until then, Satan works to try to take anyone with him that he can. Just like he took angels with him um, who are now demons, he's trying to get people like you and me to say no to Jesus, say no to God, and say yes to their own desires, and that is sin. Um, so we also see in Luke 10, 17 through 20, that Jesus says that he was there when Satan fell from heaven. So he says, I was there when Satan fell from heaven. Um, how was Jesus there? How can he say that? Yeah, because he's God. So when Jesus says, I saw Satan fall from heaven, he's just saying, I'm God. I was there. I saw it. Um, and he's just alluding to the fact that he is God. Um, so the question some of you asked me as we were reading through Second Peter 2 a few weeks ago um, is that is the question of, in heaven, there is no sin, right? It's a perfect place. So how in the world did Satan, who was once a perfect angel, sin against God if there's no sin in the world? Why would God let this happen in the first place? Um, does anyone have thoughts on this question? That's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so a common thought process for this is what we call free will. Um, how Do you guys know what free will is? How would you explain it? I think that it's like he gave everybody like kind of the knowledge of who he is, hmm. but he allowed them to choose their own path still. So we can still choose to sin, or we can still choose to do the wrong thing, but we have the knowledge of what is right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of have the choice. Yeah. Yeah, so free will is a common phrase that basically alludes to the fact that God did not create robots. He didn't create angels to be, like, programmed, like, creatures that, you know, I will glorify the Lord, and they just say that over and over again. They do it because they want to. Um, so he creates his creation 
to willingly worship him out of love and awe rather than obligation or programming. So free will is a good way to understand this concept. However, it doesn't fully explain it. There's still a lot of just like loopholes, I guess. Um, So it's merely a name for a mystery that we will never fully understand. Um, So I've never really thought of this question before. And when you guys asked me on Wednesday, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Um, And so I spent a lot of time researching it and looking at like Bible scholars and really like teachers that I trust and talking to people and none of them knew the answer on the question and uh, none of them and I don't know the answer to the question and I think there's a reason behind that. Um, So look with me in in Deuteronomy 29-29. Bethany and I just when we we, uh, met up once and uh, we were talking about this verse and I think it's just so good to like remember this verse in the back of your mind anytime you come across a question that you just can't answer about God. So I'll read that for us real fast, but I encourage you just to like underline it in your Bible and just store it away in your mind. Um, <clears throat> it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do the works of his law. Do the words of his law. Um, so what does this verse tell us about God? What does it say about about God? It's like there's some things that we're never going to know. Um, the things that we do know, like, we'll know forever. Like, we'll always yeah. be true. Yeah. What are some things that we don't know that we just will never understand? We're never going to fully understand God. Yeah. And his power and how just huge and amazing he is. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, we will never understand that. Even when we're in heaven, I... I really think because God is infinite that we will learn new things about God even when we're in heaven because he's just infinitely unsearchable. And that's kind of fun. We'll keep learning new things about God in heaven. Yeah, what else does this say about God? I think it says that like there are secret things. Like There are actually things that God intentionally keeps mm-hmm. from us just because we don't need to know it. Right. And also because like he doesn't want us to know it. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Yeah. 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 Why would he why would he purposely create us with knowledge that has limitations? Because we're not meant to know all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean if we had the same intelligence as God then he wouldn't be God. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was just about to be like, oh, Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He purposely didn't. I was going to say, like, that's just like a lot. I don't know. To have to know everything. Yeah. I think my brain would explode. Yeah. So how does this verse help us as we dig into questions like, like this? How can it help us kind of still have peace when we can't answer questions? it's like when we get stuck when we're like trying to figure something out and like we're like looking at different commentaries and like trying to figure out an answer to one of our questions i just don't know i mean it's okay yeah some things we can't figure out yeah and not like we should be pursuing like knowing more about god but there's just some things that we won't know and you have to be like comfortable yeah 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 so the the secret things belong to the lord but there's certain things that we get to know um, we have this whole entire Bible that he revealed to us. We know that we're saved by Jesus. We know that 
his grace pours upon us every single day. We know things that draw us closer to the Lord and help us fall more in love with him and help us understand what salvation is. But there are some things like the Trinity or questions like why does evil exist or like why would God, like how can God be sovereign over terrible things that happen? Those things we will never fully understand. We can dig and dig and dig. We can try to apply theology. And sometimes it's good to think and dig and apply theology. But sometimes you have to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to humbly just give this over to you because you're God and I'm not. Um, And we know that even though evil is in our world, even though Satan fell, God's glory is still displayed through that. He's he's able to show us grace because of that situation that that happened. Um, We see his grace displayed um, in the life of Christ and the fact that he's willing to forgive sinners if they turn to Jesus. Um, he defeated death to show that he was God and claimed victory over all sin. Um, he's already won the battle against Satan. And even though we don't understand why it had to start in the first place, we know how it's going to end. And then we have the duty to accept it as ourselves, um, accept the grace for ourselves and to also share that with others. Um, and often we think of things in the wrong way. We might ask, why would a good God allow bad things to happen? Or why would a good God send people to hell? Or why would a good God allow Satan to come to being? But there's a lot of misunderstanding and questions like that. Um, instead, we should flip the question and ask, why would a perfect and holy God offer me an unworthy sinner grace? Like, how is that even possible? We have to flip that question. It's, it's on us to accept grace. It's on us to accept forgiveness. If we think about it the other way, we're thinking wrongly about who God is. Um, we don't deserve anything from him. Um, so you also might be sitting there and thinking, well, if Satan was perfect and if he was in heaven um, and then he still sinned against God, what does that say about me? Like, am I, could I be cast out of heaven? Could I, like, could God, like, decide to not forgive me for something that I've done? Um, and like like looking at that situation like how how am i safe um and i just want to encourage you guys that if you know jesus christ is your savior the bible is so clear in um romans 8 37 through 39 it says nothing will separate us from the love of christ um height nor depth um wars all like nothing will set set us apart from the love of christ um so if you know jesus christ is your savior you are placed firmly in his hand um, there's nothing that can separate you from his love. And we don't serve a God who just gives up on us. We serve a God who's powerful, and he's powerful enough to hold us together. He's powerful enough to keep us um, in, his, in, his, like, um, in his grace. Um, and you're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit the day that you give your life to Christ. Um, so, yeah, t- if you have time this week, take a look at Romans 8, 37-39, and just think about the ways that you will never be separated from God's love. Um, and Ephesians 1.13 says that we have been sealed in Christ, so like a stamp on a important envelope. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit, sealed in Christ. If you know Jesus as your sa- Savior, you're stamped forever as one of his children, and nothing will, nothing will hinder that, even your own sin. Even, even when you fall away and you decide that you, you've fallen off the path and maybe you've chosen things that aren't good, that doesn't change what God has done for you. It doesn't change what Jesus has done for you. You're kept safe in the God keeps safe in God and called to repent, um, but you're also in his hand forever. Um, I found this quote by John Piper that I think does a really great job of explaining this question and just kind of helping us think rightly about God and his grace. Um, And he says, Heaven will never see an insurrection among the saints, not because we are better than the angels, but because the blood of Christ secured the new covenant for God's elect, where God says, I will put the fear of me in their hearts, and they may not turn from me. This is in Jeremiah 32, 40. 
He brought this pledge for his children by he bought this pledge for his children by his blood. They will they will not commit treason. Let us praise such a sovereign merciful God keeping influence over us. God saved us from sl- slandering his saving power. So this is an amazing promise. This means that your salvation's secure. You are never going to be moved if you know Jesus as your savior. Um so I just I just want to encourage you guys and to plead with you that if you don't know Jesus as your savior, um you're missing out on the most amazing, wonderful thing in the whole world. And if you do know Jesus as your Savior and you aren't praising him every single day for saving you and just falling more in love with him, I I would just want you to, to, to I just want to encourage you, just go to his word and go to him and just cling to him. Because um, one day we'll have the privilege of joining the angels, declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And I want you guys all there with, with me singing that. Um, and I want us all to live with that perspective um, that for the rest of eternity, we're going to be glorifying God. And so therefore, every single day that we're living right now should be glorifying God as well. Um, every millisecond of our lives should be worthy of his praise. Um, and knowing God is the most amazing thing ever, and it's yours in Christ. Um, and it's not because of what you've done, but because of what he has done for you. And the grace is there, and it pours out upon us every single day. It's able to cover anything that you've done, anything that you will do, um, and you're placed firmly in his hand. Um, so to end today, I want to look at 1 Peter 1, which reminds us what a privilege it is to know Jesus and to live for him. So go ahead and turn with me to 1 Peter 1. <clears throat> Um, can I get someone to read 1 Peter 1, 3 through 12? Thank you, Maddie. This is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You're being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified and advanced to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that were to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Awesome. All right. So I thought this would be a good passage to end with because not only does it talk about who we are in Christ and who God is, but it also mentions angels at the very end. So it kind of wraps things all up. Um, But what does this passage say about what we have because of Christ? Just shout them out as you see them. Yeah, a living hope. One that can never die.
an inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're one of God's children, and so we get his inheritance, which is eternal life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. We get joy just from knowing knowing God and knowing Jesus as our Savior. Yeah. Yeah, and I love verse 5 that says, by God's power are being guarded through faith. So we are guarded. When we place our faith in Jesus, we are guarded. So there's no praying the prayer over and over again. You pray it, you trust it, you know that he's your savior, and that's it. You don't have to keep asking him to come into your heart. You're guarded by him. Um, What does this passage tell us about angels? They want to see it. Yeah. Why why would angels want to see this? What, What we have in Christ. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Or they just look like to rejoice. Yeah. 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 yeah, they don't know what it feels like to be redeemed by the Lord. They see his glory. They see his redemptive work in us. But they're just, they're like, how can this be that a perfect God can redeem such sinners? Because <laughs> if they see us, they also see us sin. They know how sinful we are. Um, but yeah, I think it's amazing that angels are in, angels are in the presence of God, right? They're in heaven. They, they see God and his glory, and yet they are still amazed at what God is doing here with us in our hearts. They, they marvel at it. They long to look at it. They long to understand it. Um, so my question for us today is, what does that mean about how we should view the redemptive work that God does in our hearts and the hearts of others? Yes, yeah, we should be totally in awe of it. If angels who actually see God are in awe of it, and if we can't even see God, but this is how we see God, it's just him working in our lives, it should just like lead us to, lead us to just praise him with every second that we're given. Um, so are you amazed at the redemptive work of God? Are you left speechless by the mysteries of God? Um, Do you just desire to know God more and to walk with him and to be in a relationship with him? Um, It's a wonderful gift that we're given just to know him and we'll know him for the rest of our lives. Um, This should make us value the gospel and salvation so much that we have been saved by grace. It's a wonderful gift that we don't deserve and we'll never deserve it. It's just given to us. Um, Angels praise God all day long and still marvel at what he's doing on earth. So let's do the same thing and strive to bring glory to God with every second we are given. Any questions you guys have? comments awesome all right wow that was seven pages of notes in 40 minutes Woo! all right let me pray for us uh dear heavenly father god um we are so so amazed by who you are today um lord i just thank you that um this week i know that i've just been um, amazed at who you are and your glory um god and just studying who the angels are i just praise you for who you are um the fact that you take um you take care of us and that you love us, that you want to know us, um, and that you sent your son to die for us, God, and we, 
we don't deserve that at all. And it's, it's a wonderful mystery that angels long to look into. And so, God, I just pray that um, for everyone here, anyone that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, God, I just pray that you work in their hearts. Um, would you reveal yourself to them, God, and show them that you are, um, you are their Savior, you are their Heavenly Father, um, and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I also pray for anyone here that um, is just feeling um, just... Um, like they're going through a spiritual drought, God, and they're just not getting excited about you and they can't just get into your word. I just pray that um, they will be renewed with a sense of who you are and a desire to just love you and to know you more um, and that whatever they heard today and um, however way you're speaking to them, God, that they would just run to you. Lord, we love you and we trust you. In your name I pray. Amen.